Please be seated. Lord, when was it that we saw you? This Sunday is the final Sunday of the church year. Next Sunday, we'll begin again. It will be the first Sunday of Advent. We'll begin this Advent season of anticipation, of expectation of Christ's coming that we celebrate at Christmas. So today, Christ the King Sunday, the last Sunday of the church year, it's a kind of New Year's Eve. And I don't know if New Year's Eve is for you like it is for me. It's a time where I take stock, take account, look back at what has been done and what has been left undone. A kind of moment of judgment. In this lesson from Matthew that we just heard, we're given, we're given visions of an end time. Visions of an end time where Christ is the king, where God's kingdom has come and reigns over all of our lives and the entire world, and what is done is done. Creation is complete. A time when we'll all ask the question, Lord, when was it that we saw you? When thinking of the end times, I often get images from movies like Apocalypse Now or Independence Day of great cataclysm, times of confusion, of natural disaster, of maybe alien invasion, times where everything is set upside down. But Matthew gives us this image of the end times, of Jesus Christ finally sing, sitting on his seat of glory, the great king surrounded by the angels. And there before him are all the nations of the world, you and me and all people there to be judged. Now we may have thought that Jesus, that Jesus somehow would be nicer than that. This Jesus, our judge. But this judgment is part of the lavish and loving God we preach, we know. This judgment holding us, holding you and me accountable for our choices, for our actions, for the way we live our lives. In our secular, postmodern, multi-faith society, moral absolutes are looked down upon. Judgment is frowned upon. On our bumper stickers, we put, God loves you, no exceptions. But really? Does an absolute love, an absolute love, involve no judgment? No setting of limits? As a parent, I'm learning that judgment of setting limits of what is right and what is wrong, what's acceptable and what's not. It's not just about making sure my kids have good behavior. 
It's actually necessary. It's necessary to their moral and their personal development. Their personhood depends on my setting limits, on my judgment. They need it. Their development, it depends on it. So Jesus' judge points less to the medieval images of hell and damnation that the church has used through the centuries in order to produce fear, to produce allegiance. But instead, Jesus' judge, it points out inconsistencies in our lives. It's inconsistencies between our values and the way we live, what we say and what we do. Jesus as judge, holding us accountable for our decisions, how they affect others, how they help and they harm, how we place our own needs against others or how we serve, how we ignore those around us and how we give them aid, how we help or we hurt the good creation God has given us. So how is it that we that you and me, how are we going to be, how are we judged? Matthew's gospel gives us some clear criteria. Did you feed the hungry? Did Did you give water to the thirsty? Did you welcome the stranger? Did you clothe the naked? Did you care for the sick? Did you visit those in prison? In his book, God's Politics, Jim Wallace writes, what's always been striking to me is that the people gathered in front of the throne of Christ in this story all really believe they're among his followers. And they must be completely stunned to learn that they will be separated and judged by how they treated the poor. The judgment is not about right doctrine or good theology, not about personal prayer or piety or sexual ethics, not about church leadership or success in business or finance or in ministry. It's about how we treated the most vulnerable people in our society, whom Jesus calls the least of these. Judgment. The righteous, they're standing there before Jesus, before the judgment seat of Christ. And do you notice? They don't know what they did. They just saw someone in need. They saw someone hurting. They saw someone who was poor, and they helped them. They asked the question, Christ, when did I see you? And the unrighteous, they're standing there as well. They're asking the same question. They didn't know what they were doing. When they saw someone in need, or maybe they didn't even see them, they did not respond. And they say, when, Lord, was it that we saw you? Where do we see Jesus? Where do you see Jesus? Where do I see Jesus? Where do we find him? He's here right now. He might be sitting right next to you. Maybe two pews in back of you, four in front of you, somewhere. He's right, he's right here. 
Christ, he's standing next to you in the cold. He's waiting for the tea with you. He's there at the post office or asking you for money on the street. Christ, we read about him in the news every single day. We know he's in the hospital. We know he's behind one of those statistics about people who just lost their jobs or can't find work. We know he's fleeing his country that's at war and looking for a safe home. Or Christ, he was just born addicted, addicted to the drugs his parents are using. Or Christ, he's one of those parents who's lost in their addiction. Where is Christ? Where is Jesus? He's all around us. We actually don't have to look very hard, look very far. He's especially with the lost, the least, and the left out. Can you see him? Where was it that I saw you? A parishioner of mine, a friend of mine in Boston told me this story. He meant it as a kind of confession. In Boston, on warm days in the spring or the fall, those special days that are just a bit warmer, people in Boston, downtown Boston come out of the office buildings. Maybe there's a place in Pittsburgh this happens too. They come out of the office buildings, they come out of the state house, and they go on to Boston Common. Oftentimes, they find places to sit on benches or on a piece of dry ground. My friend went out and sat there on the ground. And as he was sitting there enjoying the sun, he heard some coughing. He heard choking. And it didn't stop. So he looked behind him, and there, behind him, there was a man with his sleeping bag, most likely homeless. And the man was sick. He needed some medicine. My friend looked in front of him and across the busy street of Tremont Street, he saw, he saw the CVS and he thought, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna go over there and I'm gonna get this man some cough drops and some cough medicine and at least I can help him right now. So he got up and he began walking and he came to the busy street. And as he waited for the traffic to pass, he got caught up with what he had to do at work that afternoon, what was going on with his family and the busy weekend that was up and coming. And then he crossed the street, and the pedestrian traffic was swift, and it slowed him down as he got close to the door, and then he turned and went to work. He knew that judgment. He knew it right then. He knew what it was like to stand there at the great judgment seat of Christ. And he asked me, what should he do? What's next? And I assured him that Christ would come again. 
Christ would come again and again and again. Probably before that day was over, Christ would come and he'd have another chance to serve, another chance to reach out, another chance to visit, another chance to heal, another chance to see Christ and to respond. And so that's the promise to you and to me. Christ will come again and comes again and again. Our faith is a faith of second chances, 70 second chances. We're always given a chance to see Christ and to respond. So here we are at the end of the year, the time we take account the time we look at back at what is we've done and what we've left undone and maybe make resolutions for the year to come. Where do you see Christ? Where is Christ going to cross your path? Are you going to see him? Are you going to respond? Are you going to give him aid? You make that choice every single day. And Christ, is, I assure you, will come again. Allow us to make this choice again and again each day. Each day until we're all gathered together before that great judgment seat on the last day. Amen.